eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast presented by bearsillustrated.com your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pernay Malampati alongside Andrew Miner, and we're excited to bring back on Ben Criddle from ESPN 960 in Utah covering BYU sports. Ben also played cornerback for BYU back in 06 and 07. Thanks for coming on again, Ben. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, I, I feel like I, I'm the one that is supposed to kind of be happy and smiling after that game and I feel like you know I'm, I'm looking at smiling faces across from me after a loss and so man I, I I'm excited to be on with you guys but um I've been on in the reverse role of interviewing the uh those that cover uh kind of a a, a team that got the W so I appreciate you guys inviting me to, to talk about the game yeah th- thanks for coming on uh you mentioned that First, it was a heck of a football game. Time, two top 21 teams. Now BYU's moved up. Uh, Baylor's moved down a little bit. Kind of just reverse spots. Um, can can you, Pranay and I, you know, we wish we could have been there. We just couldn't make the logistics work. Uh, can you kind of describe first and foremost what that night was was like and how it compared to, you know, other, other great nights in uh, your BYU career as well as your time covering the team? Yeah, it, it, so – I mean, we, we, from like 05 to, you know, 2010, there was a lot of sold out crowds in in Provo. Um, The problem with it was you're on the mountain network. So mountain West network, and you didn't have like ESPN coming to town. There wasn't necessarily as much hype surrounding the program as there is probably now after going 21 and four um, ending up in the, in the top 25 preseason and, and, and things of that nature. So um, the, it, it, there, there's a lot of hype surrounding the program right now. And I think you guys feel the same way about Baylor, seeing a lot of fans show up and new fans, kind of these new generational fans show up. And so um, the atmosphere was pretty electric and uh, the rock, the roar of the Cougar student section came out in full force. Uh, they were all the way up to the top of the, of the, of the rafters, essentially filling it up. Uh, it was a sold out crowd. So 64,000 approximately, I think they said 63, seven. Um, the fans were 
we're showing up to Cougar Canyon, which is kind of our new, I wouldn't say it's a tailgate experience. It's more so just kind of a community um, uh, uh, engagement type of uh, type of activity where we're all around the the stadium and there's vendors and experiences and uh, uh, you just kind of intermingle with with other fans and and I think there were a ton of Baylor fans out there enjoying themselves and there's a there's a small contingent of like tailgate fans as well that like to be out and about um, in, 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 you know in tailgating around the stadium so. Uh, we had our ESPN 960 tailgate across the street and there was a ton of people out there. Um, and uh, I, first and foremost, I just want to say that the Baylor fans were awesome coming, coming into Provo. Uh, it was great interacting with them. Extremely friendly. I had uh, one Baylor fan actually hop onto my pregame show, uh, Mark Rylander. And uh, he gave a really unique perspective that BYU fans appreciated. And it was, the transition of Baylor into a uh, into a, a big time conference, right in like 1996, when you know they were uh, private school, you know, solid in sports, and then all of a sudden they were invited to, um, you know, the you know the conference that they're now in, and uh, and it just really set the tone for the future. So um it was great it was we interacted with a lot of Baylor fans we interacted we were actor, interacting with a, a ton of our our BYU fan base and then it was loud it was raucous at kickoff um I mean that's as loud as I've heard the stadium in the last two years I mean that ASU game last year uh the Utah game last year I think the BYU fan base recently is realizing just how impactful they can be as the 12th man and being consistent and BYU fans love to cheer for their team. Um, but I don't think, I don't think for a while they realized just how important it was when the defense is out to uh, rise and shout and stay consistent. It's not just like right before the snap that you want to be yelling. You want to be loud in continuity, in, in, you know, in perpetuity, if you will, throughout that entire defensive series. And I think especially towards the end of the game when it's overtime and and Baylor's driving into the, the rock, so they were going into the south end zone, it was extremely loud. And so I think that's one of the reasons, too, why, why maybe, you know, Grimy and wanted to really run the football and be under center and maybe be in pistol, you know, try to – limit some of those false starts, et cetera, because it was so loud. So uh, it, it was an incredible environment with a fan base that believed that they could make an impact on the game. And they did. It, so that that's kind of how I would describe it. And I'm in the media booth. So, I mean, we feel the rumblings and I mean, we can sense just how loud it is there, but apparently it was deafening, especially in those OTs. Wow, that's awesome. Um, now I want to jump to the game itself. And I'm kind of wondering, what are your takeaways from the game in terms of what do you think were the, the biggest factors in, in BYU winning? Obviously, it was a tight battle, went to double overtime. Yeah. Um, but in your mind, what separated BYU on Saturday? I'll just say like this is one of the most physically violent games I've and I knew it would be that I that I've ever seen. Um I, I was a part of some pretty physical games, but this one is different. 
both offensive lines and defensive lines were extremely aggressive, extremely physical. Our fronts were coming downhill. You saw a ton of just high impact collisions. And some people don't like that, right? Because it's like, man, was that a concussion? Like I chatted with some of the spotters that are there, these athletic trainers and practitioners that essentially are spotting and trying to find injuries. Um, and there were, there were a lot of very violent hits that they had to evaluate and say, wait, is that, is that BYU player? Okay. Is that Baylor player? Okay. So, you know, that if there are, if they're being actively engaged and they're having to evaluate a ton of film and they have all these different camera angles that it, it's a, uh, it's a highly violent game. So, and that's culture, right? That's, that's uh, Aranda. That's that's uh, Tui or that's Tuiaki and and Sitake and and uh, these uh, these coaches that instill that culture. So that was the first thing that I noticed is just how physical this game was. And uh, Baylor, I don't know how you guys feel about, it, but Baylor may not be the stereotypical Big Twelve team in the sense that you're out in eleven and ten personnel all the time and just slinging it. Right. This is a this is a wide zone. This was the wide zone bowl where it's like wide zone after wide zone. And, and you're just, you're just watching the offense and defensive fronts just go at it. And uh, if you can get four, five yards of carry, you're, you're living the dream as a coordinator. And so um, I thought Baylor to a certain degree won the trench battle. I really did. Like when I go back and I watch the film, I still think that that Baylor probably collectively um, had a better offensive and defensive front throughout the, the entirety of the game. But when it came down to it, it, I mean, it was one series, right? It, it came down to, you know, either, you know, a field goal or it came down to uh, being able to punch it in from, from the red zone from within the five yard line. And, and, and that's, it comes down to maybe one, two, three plays we didn't have turnovers guys. I can you you know what I mean like you're looking at the box score and you you wonder okay well it's going to be the turnover battle you have these cliches that you that you hop on to and I, I man this was a very clean game all things considered and uh, so it took execution it took discipline you could you could tell that both of these teams were extremely well coached um the worst thing to in my opinion, is to watch sloppy football. I, I hate watching sloppy football. I hate watching a ton of fumbles and, and interceptions being thrown. And it was a traditional kind of, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust for a while. I mean, BYU came out throwing the football a bit and spreading it out. They threw a lot, the ball a lot. But um, this was a, a battle in the trenches. And that's what I had predicted. I, I predicted 24-21 BYU. I stated on my pregame that Jake Oldroyd was going to kick the game-winning field goal. And he didn't, but he had two opportunities to win it with a with his leg. And that's a high-pressure situation. Once again, going back to our pregame and the loud and raucous environment, that impacted our own players. The weight of Cougar Nation was on Jake's shoulders. And and luckily it turned out well for 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 Cougar Nation and and Jake because. BYU was able to get a defensive stop at the end of the game. And um, the 12th man for BYU came in uh, clutch and, and somewhat forcing 
these uh, these false starts and maybe some penalties. So that's kind of how I would say that that, that that was the determining factor. It's like uh, BYU won the trench battle maybe towards the end, but the 12th man, I think, deserves a ton of credit in this game because I don't know if BYU wins that game on a neutral field. That's a question for your listeners. Does Does BYU win that game on a neutral field, like in a Big 12 championship game where you don't have that 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 loud and raucous environment i mean that's that's a it's an interesting debate right so um home field advantage i mean that's why byu was you know vegas has sold their soul right for a reason minus two and a half <laughs> you know that's what it was at and technically that that's what it probably should have been but it ended up going into double ot so that's how i've described the game and and you know i thought shaping for the most part, managed the game well. I thought Jaron managed the game well. Um, BYU was down Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, the two wide receivers that kept them in the game last year. And without those two, I'll be honest, like I, I was, I was going into this game a little bit pessimistic that we could move the football as well as we needed to 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 to, to move the football versus a, a very physical uh, Dave Aranda coach defense. So. Um, Chase Roberts, wow, uh, he 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 was a big time recruit when he came to BYU. You know, six four, two hundred five, extremely athletic. But you can't replace Puka Nakua, but apparently you can get pretty close in replacing him with Chase Roberts. Yeah, yeah, we we, we spoke uh, to a couple of BYU folks in advance of this game, and and even though there is a question of that wide receiver. Um, you know, position, they, they felt confident that you guys had some good depth, uh, you know, not only at wide receiver, but across all your positions. So obviously we saw that yesterday, then the little trickeration with Roberts and, uh, yeah. and Hall, that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty obvious watching on TV, but uh, obviously they schemed it up pretty, pretty well. Um, and it was, it was a good play. Uh, you touched on so many things there, Ben, and, and it was, it was all fantastic. Uh, and I don't think anything more needs to be like delved into, uh, but I will ask you this, you, you mentioned the game was just violent, very physical, uh, spotters, you know, evaluating players, you know, for potential concussions. I, I think it's unconfirmed, but I think one of the Baylor running backs, Tay McWilliams, uh, went out with a, a concussion and left the game. That's what we were thinking on one of those hits, uh, that, that I think Max Cooley had on him. Um, yeah. in terms of violence, how, you know, the, the, the penalties were there for both teams. Uh, BYU had penalties that, <clears throat> um, that extended all three Baylor touchdown drives. Yeah. Baylor had a pass interference, uh, on a BYU touchdown drive that put the Cougars well into their own, uh, in the, in the bears territory. And, uh, and then the Baylor had a targeting penalty late from playing position you know, defense in 05, 06, 07, when you were, you know, when you were playing, how, how far have you seen the defensive element uh, evolved uh, to where, you know, they're trying to take these vicious hits out of the game. And even still, like you said, it was, it was probably the most violent game you've, you've witnessed. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go back and watch my highlight film, I'm probably targeting on every play because of how I was taught to hit and what I, how I like to hit. So um, I hear it all the time from Utah fans that all I did was target guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been adapted. It's been adjusted. I, I love the physicality of of the game of 
of, of football. That's why I played it. Be I played all the sports, but ultimately chose football because it was raw. It was um, physical. It was violent. I mean, it's the only way that you can, you know, hit somebody legally as hard as you can and, and get away with it. Right. And it's celebrated. So um, as far as it changing, uh, I, I hate, I'll say this, when number five was kicked out of the game for targeting, I hate that. I abhor that. Like, I was pissed off that that he got booted because, to me, that's still a football play. If if Lopini is able to get up, I know this may be subjective, but he see if he pops right back up and he's good and ready to go, and and I don't I don't believe in uh, in in you know pulling the old you know soccer player faking like you're injured. Get up if you're if you're not injured, and if you are injured, okay, stay down and have the athletic trainers come and take a look at you, but. I hated seeing a key player that Baylor defense get kicked out late in that game. Hated it, but I still, but, but I celebrate the physicality of it, and and I think we should. So, we I come from a very physical, uh, uh, in in I would say a, a coaching staff in Bronco Mendenhall's coaching staff that that emphasized flying to the football as fast as you can and making people pay for catching a football in front of you or making someone pay for trying to run the football against you downhill. So um, it's an element that, that I celebrate and uh, I love seeing it last night, but you did mention there were a number of, of penalties, um, late hits um, um, and uh, targeting and, and things of that nature. It's hard for me to swallow. I mean, obviously there's, there's certain plays that I would like if I could choose like to, to have reviews employed and, and uh, really take a look at those and, and, and be a little bit more, have a little bit more of a, uh, a, um, um, you know, a little bit more slack and, and, and ability to be able to hit guys, but I get it. We, we, we need to, we need to keep our key players on the football field. Um, and, uh, we, we can't have everybody getting injured all the time because this is a game of attrition. So, and depth is of the utmost importance, but we don't want to see quarterbacks go down. We don't want to see key players go down, uh, or get kicked out for that matter. So it's a fine line, man. I don't know what the answer is, but it, it does seem like, uh, for the most part, I think we've moved into the right direction in, in that regard. Ben, I was, I was feeling, uh, a lot of emotional pain this morning because of, because of Baylor's loss um, last night, but kind of got over it because of the fact that Baylor still has their entire season to go. Yeah. The, the CFP hopes are, are still alive because. Well, yeah. This is this game going to really, you know, how much will this game hurt Baylor if BYU continues to play like they played last night versus Baylor, right? Exactly. They, 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 you got to hope that they play, continue to play this well and they stay healthy. And if they do, if they beat Oregon, um, the Notre Dame game looks like it's winnable, much more winnable. The Arkansas game going to be really tough. My initial prog, you know, projection was 10 and two for this team this year, blue goggled as, as it may be, but you saw like they, this is a really good team um, on, on Saturday night. If they do what they, they, they're, they're supposed to do, it may not hurt Baylor. Yeah.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I wanted to, I guess, turn it around and say, obviously BYU is, a, is in an even better spot. They, they're 2-0 and with a win over a really good Baylor team already. And like you said, that Notre, that Notre Dame game seems very winnable right now. Mm-hmm. How, are you, how are you feeling about BYU's potential CFP hopes? Uh, I'm probably always a little bit pessimistic in that regard, just because you have a college football playoff committee that is uh, human run. There's no algorithmic metric based elements that can sway the humans from uh, allowing for bias to creep in. So remember, just because BYU is in the AP poll and in the top 12 or top 10 or in the coaches poll or in FPI or SP plus or pick six previews, top two, whatever it is, right? None of that matters. It really doesn't. It, what matters is how do these humans that are part, part of the college football playoff committee view BYU. And I always think there's going to be some bias currently for BYU because they're still an independent. They only play five power five teams. Okay. And it's also determined by their, their, their G five opponents. So what will the strength of schedule look like at the end of the year? If they do run the table, is it going to match up to an sec team? Is it going to match up to a big 12 team? Is it going to match up even to some would say a pac 12 team that has, you know, nine or eight power fives on their, on their schedule. So, I, I always hold my I, I don't hold my breath. I always kind of take it with a grain of salt. Like BYU still doesn't have a true P5 schedule as 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 is what they will say. You're always going to fight against that until you're in a in a, in a an actual power five conference. So not holding my breath, but you know, hopeful. You never know what can happen. It happened in 84. Will it happen again? I, I don't know. <laughs> you focus on the next game right now. I, I just hope that that pride cycle is really hard to come off a big win like this. And now you're going to a hostile environment, Eugene. Oregon got their trash kicked and everyone's saying they're not what they, what they were advertised to be. They're still in the top 25 right now, the AP poll. They look at this opportunity to be back in the conversation and say, we're better than, what you thought we were, George is just a different team, but you know, we didn't put our bit best showing forth versus Georgia. And therefore we, if we knock off BYU, if, if we, if we 
beat them up really good. You know, you have a multi, uh, you know, multi-point, 10, 14-point victory over BYU, who's now in the top 12. You're back in the conversation. Maybe you can get back into the college football playoff with your only loss being Georgia. So I'm always concerned about that pride cycle of any any team. So one game at a time, right? The cliche. Absolutely. I'll be the first to say I'd I put you guys in if you run the table. Um, thinking about the committee's definitely proven to be cowardly at times, uh, not not willing to take that big swing. Well, they, they're going to be, I told you so, right? So you you allow Cincinnati to get in, and they're like, see, I told you so. They, they can't compete. Why why did we allow them in? Did they really earn it? You know, Did they really earn it with their schedule? Some sure. say, well, yeah, they did earn it. And that there's two, two teams typically in any given year that deserve to be in the college football championship, and it's shown in those semifinal matchups. How many yeah. teams are actually set up to win a college football championship game? Maybe yeah. two, maybe three in any given year because there's we're a little bit top heavy. But maybe that's changing. Maybe with the transfer portal, maybe with NIL, we're seeing a dispersion of talent that we haven't seen before. And there's some there's some balance. I mean, Texas A&M just lost, and they had the highest payroll right on uh, in a recruiting class. So <laughs> maybe there's maybe we're finally getting what we asked for, which is parity in college football. So we'll see. Yeah, and and for our listeners out there. Then, of course, helped BYU uh, win back-to-back Mountain West championships in 06-07. In 07, BYU lost to uh, UCLA, came back at the end of the year, beat UCLA, beat the Bruins in a bowl game. So definitely hoping that uh, we get a rematch of BYU-Baylor in, in the CFP. I think that would be really cool. But oh, one last question that I wanted to throw out, um, can you def- – define what a cougar tail is and where you would rank that amongst uh pastries or treats yeah it's like a 16 inch maple maple donut that's what it is so uh where does it sit i mean it depends on how you feel about like the maple bars do you like maple bars if you like maple bars then you're gonna love uh, a cougar tail and they do a really good job at the bakery here uh the creamery the bakery uh look byu fans don't uh uh, don't partake of libations they don't drink they don't smoke they don't you know uh, they don't partake of recreational drugs they consume sugar <laughs> so they're gonna get creative with their sugar right like everyone needs a vice and uh so we love our chocolate milk we love our ice cream we love our baked goods like you go to a uh, a munch and mingle after church and it's a, it's just a bunch of sugar man so Get ready for it. So if you're into that, you'll fit right in here in Provo. So yeah, we like our treats, man. All sorts of treats, and the Cougar Tail is one of them. Uh, it's it's what we're I guess we're known for it there at uh, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But it, it it's one of those things you got to try when you come out. Like see if you can if you can if you want to go comatose like by the you know by the third quarter uh and when that that sugar rush is 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 dropping off and it, it, you 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 can down one of those uh 16 inch cougar tails and try it yeah that's awesome i've got a sweet tooth so hopefully i'll come i'll come out there yeah, come sometime out. And try, try it. it man but that was great thanks for coming on and thanks everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed that episode
go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, has returned. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus.